Today on the show, I'm going to tackle the Seahawks' biggest roster hole left and see if I can't fix it, or at least alleviate some of your concerns about it as we get closer to training camp with each passing day. I have scoured the rosters across the NFL in search of viable candidates for the Seahawks to add at the nose tackle position. Young guys, veterans, free agents, players who could be cut in August and immediately step in and help. And in particular, is it possible that the key to the Seahawks' defensive line this season are decisions that are going to be made by the Tennessee Titans and the Carolina Panthers. I've got tons of names for you, and yeah, that's the second pun I've used. So let's get to it. It is time for another episode of Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast. In-depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Viennes. Before we get started, hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, either on audio or on the YouTube channel, so you never miss out on episodes like Bob Condota of the Seattle Times, who I talked to this week, Rob Staten, Seaside Joe, Corbin Smith, just a few of the guests I've had in recent weeks, and stay tuned, Paul Moyer is on tap. We have yet to lock down a time, but he'll be joining me on the show next week, former Seahawk player, coach. Now does the pre- and post-game show on the radio side for the Seahawks. Paul Moyer will be joining Seahawks forever next week. And that is all because of the support you have shown for the channel. You are the reason I'm able to access uh, those guests as of late. Speaking of Bob Condota, let's start there. He made a point when we were talking about the Seahawks defensive line. And I asked him if maybe too much pressure is being placed on the shoulders of Cameron Young, the fourth-round draft pick out of Mississippi State, who lots of things to like about him, but he's going to be asked to do different things schematically uh, in the Seahawks' defense than he did at Mississippi State. And even though he has a ton of games under his belt, over 40 in the SEC, um, asking a fourth-round pick to be your primary nose tackle is a is a lot. It's a tough ask. Um and there are other guys, and Bob and I talked about Austin Fiolu uh, of the Sea Dragons and how much they like him. And uh, Brian Monet may be back at some point this season. Jonah Tavai, the undersized guy out of San Diego State, highly productive as a pass rusher, uh, is going to be in the mix. Uh, but already we've seen some names released. We thought Robert Cooper, the undrafted free agent out of Florida State, would have a shot. Uh, Forrest Merrill of the uh, formerly of the San, or, <laughs> I still, what, five years later, still call him the San Diego Chargers, the LA Chargers, um, released after a couple of weeks uh, after the mini camp. Um, and Bob made a good point that the Seahawks aren't as concerned, maybe, as some of us are, that if they find throughout the camp, uh, training camp, which starts next month and preseason, that Cameron Young. Uh, that that development curve is still going to take some time or that he's just not uh, the guy that, that they can't count on him for as many snaps as they're going to need out of that position. Seahawks have a history of adding veteran guys late. And so I went back and looked because he specifically name dropped Tony McDaniel, who one year was signed on August 16th, his second go round with the Seahawks and played a huge role in that defense. One of the three times I think that Al Woods was signed uh, to the Seahawks roster happened on September 4th. They have a history. Uh, Earl Mitchell was signed at the last second um, in 2019 or 20. I believe that that didn't pan out. But uh, the point is, there are going to be players available. And 
Bob made the point that the Seahawks believe that that position, maybe more than any other on defense, is one that you can plug someone in without a lot of prep time because what they ask their nose tackle to do is, is fairly straightforward and basic. Right? Control, one. you're going to one gap, sometimes you're going to two gap. It's not a complex position in their scheme. And so the idea that we're going to get to week one against the LA Rams and it's going to be Cameron Young, Austin Fiolu, Jonah Tavai, and nobody else. Uh, pretty low odds on that. I'd put that uh, at less than 10, 20%, maybe that that would happen. So they're going to make additions and most likely those will happen late in training camp this year, more than ever, because they're, they're cutting now after that third preseason game, there are no tiered cuts. They go from 90 to 53. They've essentially created a new wave of free agency. And so I've been thinking about this a lot the last couple of weeks. And especially after talking to Bob about maybe specifically who some of these guys could be. Just thought I'd look around the league. And there's there's different resources that you can use to find these players, right? So I thought I would kind of break this down. Um, are there any veteran free agents that are unsigned on the street right now that could help? Are there veterans out there who can play the position, who are on rosters, who have an uphill battle to make the roster or might get beaten out by some younger guys who can play for less than the, the vet minimum for a 29, 30, 31 year old defensive tackle. Are there some young guys that maybe the Seahawks liked in this draft or undrafted class that got scooped up by somebody else who, if they don't make their roster at the cut to 53, the Seahawks might want to add to the roster again. And in specific, as I was looking at every depth chart in the league, Thank you, our lads. It's the best website out there for that kind of thing. I found two teams in particular that have roster crunches, log jams at the nose tackle position. And then I'm going to finish, if you stick around to the end, with one very intriguing name that the Seahawks, well, I don't know how serious they've ever been about flirting with this guy, but every single year he seems to be a free agent and every single year he seems to fit what the Seahawks need. And he's inexpensive and he's experienced. And oh, by the way, he has some local ties. So I'll finish with that. Uh, let's start with the easy ones. I, I looked at free agency. There's not a lot out there. Uh, there's Linval Joseph, longtime Vikings player. He's 35 years old now, started 170 of 179 games in his Viking career. Big guy who's manned the middle of that defense for a long time. Still unsigned. Uh, played in Philadelphia last year. Played in eight games. Started all eight games. Not sure what his situation is. Anytime you get to this point in a player's career, especially it seems like with these bigger guys, you know, Al Woods talked about it this offseason before he signed with the Jets, that retirement's an option. Don't know if Linval Joseph still wants to play or if he's just one of those guys at this point in his career doesn't want to go to a training camp, wants to sign late with someone. Uh, Mike Pinnell. 6'4", 332 pounds, 32 years old now, played in 17 games with the Bears last year, played 33% of their snaps. That's really it. Those are really the only two guys that that you can see in free agency right now that would be completely available and could play that position. Uh, but I think in either of those cases, even if those are guys on the Seahawks' radar, 
Um, they want to get snaps and reps for these young guys anyway. And so if you're going to go that route, you're going to do that late in camp. How about veterans on other rosters? How about Vernon Butler of the Giants? 6'4", 330 pounds. 29 years old, the former 30th overall pick of the Panthers. Didn't really work out there to their expectations in his seventh year now. He's just kind of been at the bottom of the roster. He's a practice squad player last year for the Giants, signed to a reserve deal. They've got that great off defensive line, and and uh, he might be a guy that's available even maybe before the, the roster cut down if they feel like he's not going to contribute. John Jenkins of the Raiders, another one, 32 years old now, 6'3", 335 pounds. Actually has some history with the Seahawks. Signed in 2016, played two games with the team, former third-round pick in his 11th season now. Jonathan Hankins uh, on the Cowboys roster right now, 31 years old, 6'3", 340 pounds, former second rounder in his 11th season. So the, those are just examples of guys that are out there on a lot of rosters that teams might choose to go with younger players at that position. Could be some possibilities. That other category I mentioned, young guys that maybe the Seahawks had interest in this year and are going to have an uphill battle to make their roster. Uh, Jared Clark of the Chargers, small school kid, Coastal Carolina, signed as an undrafted free agent. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, 6'4", 345 pounds, unusual athlete for that size. Fairly new to the position, if I remember right. He's a guy that, remember, even if you want to, pl to put these guys on your practice squad, you have to release them first. They have to pass through waivers. And while most teams now don't place waiver claims, um, if you have a need... And there's a guy that you like. We don't know if the Seahawks like Jared Clark or not. But he's a guy that that uh, might have an uphill battle to make that roster. Calvin Avery of the Vikings, 6'2", 325 pounds out of Illinois, signed as an undrafted free agent in Minnesota. He's a guy that we know the Seahawks had in for a 30 visit. They signed some other guys in undrafted free agency that haven't panned out. They signed Robert Cooper. He's already been released. Don't know if there was an injury involved there. They did sign Jonah Tavai, but he's an undersized guy. And then a guy uh, that caught my eye that I really liked last year and mocked him to the Seahawks late in the draft last year a lot of times, and that's Benito Jones. Uh, he's, he's on the Lions roster now. Came out last year. Shorter guy, 6'1", but 330 pounds out of Ole Miss. Uh, played in 17 games, but the Lions have a really good young nose tackle there in Alan McNeil. Benito Jones could be a guy that doesn't make that final roster cut. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. But then as I was looking through depth charts, something really, really, really stood out to me. And I've got a graphic to show you here just, just so you can really get a feel for these guys. And I mentioned it in the intro. The Carolina Panthers and the Tennessee Titans have an abundance of options at that nose tackle position. 
And look, some teams list nose tackles and some don't, depending on 3443. Four, Both these teams do. They list these guys in particular at nose tackle. And this is how the nose tackle depth chart shakes out in both of these places. Let's start in Carolina, where we know the Seahawks have a connection because Scott Fitterer, the GM there, came up through the ranks in the Seahawks front office. So if if John Schneider likes one of these guys, he's got Scott Fitterer on speed dial, right? He's probably in his favorites on his phone because they have a good, solid, young starter in Shy Tuttle that they like. But listed at number two on the depth chart at nose tackle, Marquand McCall. And, and you want some size? <laughs> you want some size in the middle of your defensive line just to just to eat blocks and take up space? McCall, just 24 years old, 6'3", 379 pounds is his listed weight. Played in 16 games for the Panthers last year, recorded 15 total tackles. He's listed behind Tuttle at number two on the depth chart. Okay, they're going to keep two guys, so if his job is safe, well, they signed a very interesting player this offseason, John Penasini, formerly of the Detroit Lions. He was a six-round pick of the Lions in 2020, 6'2", 335 pounds. As a rookie, started 12 games for the, for the Lions. And then he suddenly retired. And as much as I scoured the internet, I could not find any in-depth interviews with him or anything, any reasons why he retired, but he decided to unretire this last offseason. And in April, he signed with the Panthers. The Panthers are loaded. They have, they have three defensive tackles under the age of 26 on their roster that, that weigh over 325 pounds. This is a position where they have a bit of a surplus. Penasini is listed at third on the death chart. Chances are, on the cut to 53, one of those two guys, McCall or Penasini, is going to be available. But now let's look at the Tennessee Titans depth chart. Their starter, Tyer Tart, they're paying him. He's got a $4.3 million cap hit. He's pretty much the unquestioned starter on the depth chart right now. And they have three players listed behind him. Listed as their second stringer, Naquan Jones, 6'4", 338, has 24 games under his belt, six starts. He's second on their depth chart. Jaleel Johnson, 29 years old, 6'3", 316 pounds, former fourth rounder, started 21 of 74 of his games in his career. And Tyler Shelvin, 6'3", 346, just 25 years old, former fourth rounder in his own right, only played in five games last year, but he and Jaleel Johnson are listed third and fourth on the Titans depth chart. They have some options there. They're certainly not going to keep all four of those guys. So if you're concerned, <laughs> then maybe uh, watch some of their preseason games. Let's let's get a feel for the snap counts there and how those guys perform, whether they all stay healthy. And then I thought I'd throw in a bonus. Because as I said at the top, this guy seems to be available every offseason. And the reason is this. Let me put the graphic up. Danny Shelton, former UW Husky star from Auburn, Washington, since hometown, played at my alma mater of Auburn High School, go Trojans. We know what Danny Shelton is, right? 101 games in his career, 72 starts. Last full-time starting uh, experience was in Detroit. 
in 2020. Why is he always available? Because he has six career sacks. He's a one-trick pony. He's a run stopper. And, and not an elite one at that. Never really lived up to uh, his name or his draft status. But he's in Kansas City this year, and they currently, according to our, our lads, have him third on the depth chart. And our lads, I've talked to these guys before, they base their depth charts not just on their own speculation, but also on connections they have, contacts they have, coaches, scouts, analysts, what they're seeing in mini camps and OTAs, how they think this is going to play out. And what's interesting, Kansas City, obviously, you have the two starting. They don't list nose tackles. So this, this is a roster where they play a 4-3. A they have two defensive tackle positions. But they have four or five guys listed ahead of Danny Shelton right now. Derek Naughty and uh, Chris Jones, obviously, unquestioned the two starters. And then Tershawn Wharton and Keandre Coburn, sixth-round pick out of Texas this year, a nose tackle that I really liked. And, and if you saw any of my mock drafts leading up to the draft, you saw a lot of love for him as a late-round pick. They have him listed ahead of Danny Shelton, too. So Shelton's either the fifth or sixth guy on their depth chart. And a guy that's playing on a cheap deal, he's expendable. What if at the end of the camp, they just feel like they need another body in there, a big dude that can eat up some blocks, an Al Woods type? Wouldn't Danny Shelton make some sense? Finally. <laughs> uh, that I just... This is an exercise I wanted to do today as much for myself as for you guys because it's a topic that's not going to go away. Every single time I interview someone, you hear it on the show. Everyone wants to talk about that position. That's the one question mark. Look, there's a lot of optimism about, about the Seahawks this year. Bob just tweeted out about an hour before I hit record today that Athlon's preseason NFL preview magazine has the Seahawks winning the NFC West and losing to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. He has Pete Carroll, or not he, they, Athlon, the folks over there, have Pete Carroll as their coach of the year. There's a lot of optimism. And I think the only trepidation, the only hesitation people seem to have about the Seahawks, other than the defense as a whole because of their performance last year, is that interior defensive line. And if there was someone else that people could just trust that wasn't a what if. So I think we all agree from everything we've seen and heard the last couple of months since the draft that there's a lot to like about Cam Young. There's a lot to like about Mike Morris. The Seahawks believe they can get Jaron Reed back to what he was and, and not the way he performed on tape with the Packers last year. And that the, the investment in free agency, the unusual investment by this regime in Draymond Jones to, to get him here, uh, they like those pieces. But you got to have that guy in the middle. And if they don't feel like Cameron Young, even if they, look, I'll finish with this. Even if they think Cameron Young looks every bit as good as they thought he was going to, and they think he's going to be a long-term fixture in the middle of that defensive line, he's not going to play 100% of the snaps. He's not even going to play 100% of the obvious run down and distance snaps. He's going to be a guy, and young defensive tackles typically are anyway, even the guys drafted at the top of the draft, Take time. The Jordan Davises, 
the Leonard Williams. Those guys take time to develop. It's year two, year three sometimes before they really break through and live up to uh, their hype or their potential or their ceiling. So the Seahawks are going to have to add somebody. And that's just what I wanted to do today is just not necessarily predict who some guys are that they go after because I don't know what these guys are like off the field. I don't know who from this list matches the Seahawks culture and the, and the things that they look for outside of just, do you have good reps on tape? But I just wanted to put this out there and do this exercise so that maybe we could feel a little bit more comfortable as we head into training camp that if there are some struggles in preseason, there are ways that the team can address this without having to give up major draft capital, without having to, to do a bunch of salary cap maneuvers to fit a guy in, that they won't have to do, they won't have to make that panic move like they did with Jadevian Clowney that one year and trade for him in training camp and give up significant camp capital or Sheldon Richardson, those types of moves. They won't have to do that. Because again, as Bob Condota said, this is a position that the Seahawks feel really comfortable is simplistic enough schematically that they can get a guy and get him ready on short notice. Uh, that's going to do it for this show. Again, hit subscribe and hit that like button. Follow me on Twitter at Seahawks forever. Um, really appreciate the support lately. And uh, I've got a lot of things planned. I'm not just going to take the next month off and take my foot off the gas and wait until training camp starts. Um, Michaela and Kata, the Pacific Northwest showdown are going to be joining me in two weeks. Can't wait to talk to those ladies. Um, in incredibly knowledgeable and passionate Seahawk fans. And we're going to break some things down as we get closer to training camp. And as I said at the top, former Seahawk player, coach, analyst, Paul Moyer will be joining me on the show next week. Stay tuned to Twitter as soon as I get that scheduled so that you know when he will be on the show. But again, if you subscribe and hit that bell for notifications... Subscribe on whichever audio podcast platform you prefer. Then you'll know when that episode hits. Until then, I'm Dan Viennes. Thanks for listening to Seahawks Forever. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.